But I didn't think it was that bad. Talking about suicide and hurting herself. So I'm glad me and Kobe got to talk it out so I can be there for her. You gotta cry, man. Uh, you gotta cry and get that off anyway. What's going on, family? Congregation, y'all know what it is. We're back once again. Um, Church in the Wild podcast. It's your boy Rob, your boy John. And we are. We've been beating up on pastors, man, for the past two weeks, uh, talking about the stuff they can, can and can't say, the things they can and can't do. Um, but life is real, and I think I don't think people really take the time to understand how important slowing down and recognizing that we're all human, and not only recognizing that we're human, uh, but that we hurt. Um, and so today, uh, this is our first serious one, man. I think this is our first serious uh, conversation. I mean, I, I'm going to try and throw some some smiles or something in uh, as I can. But this isn't something to really joke about. If you don't know, uh, a couple of weeks ago, a young pastor, 30 years old, out in uh, California by the name of Andrew uh, Stokeline, uh, took his life after preaching a sermon about his uh, his, his struggles with depression and with uh with just mental his his mental capacity and, and and mind state a couple years ago uh a black pastor down in uh, macon georgia teddy parker 42 years old the church was waiting for him 
to come in to come preach and when they finally went back to his house they found him in his parking in his uh, driveway uh, gunshot wound to the head um, there's a pastor uh, late last year uh, by the name of uh, Bill Lenz he was 60 years old that was an advocate for suicide awareness you know he was for suicide prevention he worked with people all the time and December of last year took his own life I think it's time that we start having the difficult conversations about mental disease and disorders about depression and stuff like that and how it affects us as people in the church um, I said it I said it a couple weeks ago and I meant it that we it's time out for us thinking that church people are absolved from or oblivious to uh, the everyday pains that everybody deals with. We all suffer and struggle with stuff, but it's time for us to stop saying, hey, we're just going to pray about it. Um, and we need to put some feet to our faith. Um, forgive me today as well, uh, congregation, because uh, I'm up in this joint stuffy, uh, stuffy <laughs> like a pillow, man. Uh, fighting this uh, this head cold, but I'm gonna muscle through the show. John, what's going on, brother? Not a whole lot, man. Um, I am happy to be here. Uh, I am not happy about uh, the circumstances under which this conversation is happening. Um, but I think that it's a needed conversation. And I hope that people will take our conversation and uh, build on it and grow from it uh, and continue to have this conversation um, everywhere. So, Yeah, man. Uh, absolutely. So here's the deal. This didn't, of course, when we talk about stuff, it's usually colored by something that's happened recently. I mentioned these three pastors, of course, because we're the church in the wild. That's what we do. We talk about church stuff. Um, but let us not forget the fact that literally just a day ago, um, a young man by the name of Mac Miller, some people know him, some people don't. Um, if you're a hip-hop fan, you know who Mac Miller is. You may not have liked his music, um, but the kid was mad talented. Uh, 26 years old and died of an apparent drug overdose. They're believing this, of course, to be tied to some sort of issue with his his to some sort of depression or something like that he was dealing with and here we sit um now discussing something like this and again right i, I hate saying right time right place because there's never a right time and it's a tragedy when you have to talk about something like this but the truth of the matter is it's something that we can't keep sweeping under the rug these aren't just uh demons that people are fighting uh, privately anymore uh, suicide is the one thing that uh, I, I forgot what the phrase is exactly but it doesn't hurt the person that takes their life it hurts the people that they leave behind and I know I'm paraphrasing that and messing that up but that's that's legitimately what it is so let's talk about this man um, I'll start because I can be transparent um, I have struggled with depression in the past I have struggled with suicidal thoughts and uh, it's one of the more difficult, it was from one of the more difficult parts of my life. Uh, sometimes life just gets to you that way. Um, life gets hard. Life is, it seems like it's just beating you from every side. 
and you don't know what to do, where to turn, who can help. And as much as you want to sit there and cry out to God and ask God to take the pain away, the one thing you get from God in that time is silence. You don't hear a voice from heaven. You don't hear um, the clouds don't part and angels don't sing. Uh, you're sitting there in the middle of your floor, tears in your eyes, and you just simply look out and say, nobody's going to miss me. You know, and, and that's that is that was one of the scariest moments of my life, knowing that I was having those thoughts. And thankfully for myself, I had a mother who was mad annoying, who sent my brother and saying, hey, I don't like the state that he's in. He's not answering. He's not talking right. Go over there and check on him. And my brother showed up and virtually kicked my door in to make sure that I was okay. And when my brother got there, I cried. You know, 10, 15 minutes cried because nobody knew what I was dealing with. And he showed up and was able to kind of talk me down from that literal and proverbial ledge. It's uh, it's not, it's not something that is going to be uh, an easy thing to talk about. If you are somebody that's dealing with it, um, I I implore you, I am begging you, please talk to somebody, please be it your pastor. If you can't talk to your pastor, talk to your best friend. If you can't talk to your best friend, uh, call your mom. If you can't call your mama. Uh, call me. You can hit me up on social media uh, or anything. If you are having the thoughts that, you know, this world would be better off without you because it's not. It's This world needs you. You are here for a purpose. And robbing us of what God has given you by taking your own life only leaves the world a worse place for you not being here. And this is something that the church struggles with quietly. <coughs> I told you I'm fighting the cold, forgive me. <clears throat> this is something the church fights with quietly. From the pastor to the pew member, so many people have thoughts and ideas and symptoms of mental illness, depression, um, anxiety, stress, whatever you want to call it. And they, they kind of suffer because they don't think, they who can they run to? Who can they turn to? <coughs> They've been calling out to God. They've been saying, hey, please take this away from me. Please do this. Please give me something, some reprieve. Give me, let me get my head above water. Only to look around and see nothing. And um, this sounds kind of like, you know, well, this sounds like Rob is saying that God won't help me through the situation. And I'm not saying that. But I think what we need to understand is that we also have to understand what we have to know and what we have to stop teaching is that God is some tangible, um, tangible genie that will show up when we do the right thing. If we if we say the right words, make the right movements. Uh, give the right amount, whatever. God's going to magically show up and then start answering all of our questions. And that's not how God works. And I think that uh, is a good place to kind of park and really start talking about this because the church has done its own disservice 
by promoting God in a sense of being this this genie in a bottle, of being this uh, entity that is only a prayer away, and you're gonna hear His voice, and you're gonna feel His touch, and you're gonna smell His scent, and we we give these anthropomorphic uh, attributes to God knowing that God is spirit so if God is spirit why are we telling people to look for these attributes and because once we do that we're asking people who don't who don't have the learning or don't care to have the learning that we have of looking out for this and when it doesn't show up we're now turning them away from God John is of course sitting here making me do all this talking after I've told him I got a cold and I'm struggling. Um, I was letting you speak to it because I think that you have a great insight to offer and I wanted you to be able to get your thoughts out um, all in one piece before we started kind of diving into it together. Um, I have a lot of thoughts around mental health as an entire uh, topic. I think that when we start talking about depression and suicide, that you have to be careful how you walk uh, on that topic. And so... I was going to try and be quiet doing this, but I'm not. I'm going to make noise. Y'all going to hear me rustling in the background. My bad. Go ahead, brother. You're fine. Um... Let's start at the very, very top. The broad end of the spectrum of mental health in general. Okay. And for clarity's sake, I want to say that mental health is not a condition. I hear a lot of people misusing the term mental health. Mental health is not in itself a diagnosis. Of course not. But I hear people saying, you know, I got mental health, bro. Hey, that, that's that's the same unlearned people that, that think that diabetes is called sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so I want to clear clear that up. Mental health is a uh, is literally a category of uh, health topics. I guess is the best way I could describe it for people. Uh, so everything that has to do with your mental fits into that conversation. The same way if we talk about your physical health. Everything in your physical body comes into that conversation. Your spiritual health, everything within your spiritual body comes into that conversation. And in this sense, your mental uh, health is about what goes on in your mind. And so um, it's an important topic within the black church, especially, um, obviously everywhere, but especially within the black church and black community. We need to have more conversations about mental health. We need to have honest conversations about mental health. We are starting to, and I think that's good. Conversations about things like PTSD, depression, um, things that lead to substance abuse, traumas, and um, different, different things that impact your mental stability or or or... or Things that haven't been filtered properly before they got to you or that you weren't able to filter properly that have impacted you growing up. So there are a lot of things to consider. 
within our neighborhoods and in our actual communities, um, we often will see people that suffer from some form of um, mental health disorder or disease. And rather than be concerned or care for that person, we ridicule them, uh, we tear them down. Um, we have been insensitive um, in great part, I think, because we grow up uh, being taught to be insensitive. And so... Do we as a black, in the black community have a problem? I, I think, I, I agree with you first. Let me start there. I think that we've all kind of taken mental health, we've all been kind of fed mental health uh, issues kind of haphazardly. When you see, you know, there used to be a joke when I was growing up in the 80s that, you know, if you had an uncle or a cousin uh, that, that had a mental health issue, they just put him in the back room at Big Mama House and they didn't talk about it. They just, you know, don't go around messing with Johnny. That boy's special. Um, and that's and that's all you kind of left it at. Nobody really went and got diagnosed. Nobody knew exactly what he was dealing with. But, you know, he walked out the crib in a trench coat, you know, a long sock, a short sock, you know, with a belt and his underwear on. And nobody thinks about it. We're not talking about schizophrenics. We're not talking about, you know, depression, anxiety. Stress kills black people quicker than anything. Uh, hypertension. You know, we, we know we've heard these words, but we don't know where they come from. We don't want to go properly get diagnosed and we don't believe in talking to people about it. Where where do we really start this conversation? Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons that I said earlier I wanted to let you get all your thoughts out of it because I know this conversation can split into so many different things. I know that we want to spend time this episode really breaking down and discussing um, depression, suicide. Uh, and so, so I want us to spend the crux of this part of the conversation on that. Yeah. But I want us to build a firm foundation um, within the body of Christ. We should have a sort of a different perspective, in my opinion on mental health than the rest of the world does to this degree. We should not deny that people have mental health disorders. But when we find that a person has a mental health disorder, we should not respond by saying, what? I'm going to go to extremes here. We shouldn't go to the extreme of God has no part in this. Give them medicine or, or, or put them in a hospital or let only um, the medical practice play its role. But we also shouldn't go the extreme route of we only are going to pray for this person. Yeah. We're only going to trust that God knows best for this person. I believe that God has blessed the minds of doctors Bless the mind of scientists. Oh, yeah. Bless the mind of, of, of those people that, that put their life's work into studying the mind. He's given them wisdom. And so it's okay, as a Christian, hear me, it is okay if you went to the doctor and they said, hey, I think you might have bipolar disorder or 
I think you might be depressed or I think you might need to take some medicine to help balance the chemicals in your body so that you're able to function a little better day to day. That is okay. Your body and your mind are subject to the frailties and infirmities of this life the same way your big toe is subject to it when you stub it on the edge of the bed at night. What we must do, though, is respond with balance of understanding both that doctors can help and God helps. I absolutely agree. Um, again, congregation, y'all gonna have to forgive me. I'm stuffy. This is me coughing in the background, uh, but we're gonna make it through this episode. I'm looking at uh, the NAMI website, uh, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, and they list how they talk about how mental health conditions affect the black community. According to the Health and Human Services Office of Minority Health, they state that African Americans are 20% more likely to experience serious mental health problems than the general population. Common mental health disorders among African Americans include major depression, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, suicide among young African American men, and post-traumatic stress disorder because African Americans are more likely to be victims of violent crimes. It also goes on to state that they are also more likely to experience certain factors that increase the risk for developing a mental health condition, which includes homelessness and exposure to violence. That is scary. If you simply take the the words from that page, it, it tells me that in the, the general population of America, black people are 20% more likely to be victims or to have a mental health diagnosis. Hmm. Now, there are going to be people on both sides of the aisle um, that say, look, these are, you know, who's really conducting these tests? And maybe they're just trying to say this because of what life has been like in America. That black people, are, there's just something wrong with them. They're not quite right in the head. You're going to have those people that say that they don't trust it based on that and that alone. And then you're going to have this other half that are going to say that they absolutely agree with it. And that not only do they agree with it, that we just need to medicate everybody. I am I'm on the side of I'm on your side so much as to say that, yes, we need to have a balance between the two. But I think in the black community, we are so religiously minded that we miss the mark and underdiagnose people sometimes. Meaning that we will have somebody in the church that we know lives by themselves, may have a couple of kids, they've come in and joined the church, and they smile when they show up, and they dance, and they sing. But you can tell that baby girl is overwhelmed when she leaves. She's got three screaming babies on her hip. Um, so who's taking care of her when she leaves this place? 
who's taking care of her and, and making sure that she's got some sanity about it when she's not here. And then when something does happen, we're the first ones to start saying, well, what do you need to pray for? Or we'll, we'll call them out on what they've done wrong and say that they just need deliverance. We, we have telltale signs that show us every single day what somebody's dealing with. And I think that old adage that, I, that my mother used to tell me to, to mind my own business and stay out of stay out of grown folks' business and stop stop looking over what them people are doing. No, I, I I'm at a stage now where I have to pay attention to everything. I can't just let people walk by me and be and not be okay. You know, I've I've had you know in in all of my counseling, anytime somebody talks to me about anything going on in their life, the first thing I let them know, while it's great that you're coming to me for prayer at this crux. Please don't think that just because I pray for you now that it's going to immediately change for you. That That's not the way that it works. What you need is to make sure that you're talking to somebody, whether it's myself or a professional, that will absolutely be with you and walk with you that you can contact and, and unburden yourself. But we don't like inviting people into our business. Because we're always worried about somebody running around and gossiping about us. Like everybody, like there's so many people that care about coming to us and telling, you know, coming to us so we can run and tell their business. I can tell you now, the last thing I care about is running and telling your business to somebody else. I got too much of my own. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So let's not think that that's. We, we got to get out of that mindset. We got to stop thinking that everybody's out to get us, that everybody's looking to talk bad about us because we're in a different place. But I think that's a societal thing, too. We just talked about this, the bully pulpit, how society looks at us and how society kind of funnels you into this ideology of what it looks like to be okay. And if you don't fit in that mold, people think that now I'll be ostracized because of it. And I think that's... That's something that we need to, this is why I had such an issue with the bully pulpit and, and, and the court of public opinion. Because this stuff is real, man. This stuff is absolutely real. Come on, man. Yeah. Um, <coughs> the, the overwhelming thought process that comes to mind for me when talking about depression. And I want to give some practical input uh, and some spiritual um, advice and guidance on this topic. <coughs> Let me start by saying this. It is not normal in yourself, and I'm using this word normal, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to tread carefully, but if you find yourself in a dark place on a consistent basis, be self-aware. What do you mean by be self-aware? I was thinking over what I wanted to say about that. Um, let me let me add this while you're thinking about that. Yeah. Stop thinking is that it's okay to fake being okay. Yeah. Yeah, 
one of the main things that that concerns me is that it is very difficult, very almost impossible. It's very difficult to help someone who does not admit to themselves that something is wrong. I have personally had to kick down the door of a person who swallowed a bottle of pills. A person who, two days prior, you couldn't have told me anything was wrong with them. Yeah. What they were going through, they were going through internally and not allowing anyone to help. And someone will say to me, for sure, someone will say, well, there are signs. That person probably did. The problem with that is, even if there are signs, you you have to have in yourself sometimes the responsibility of at least reaching out directly to someone and asking for help. And I, and I, I struggle saying that because there are people that reach out for help and just don't get it. It's absolutely true. And I'm empathetic to that. But there are also people who never reach out. And so I want to implore people to reach out to those around them. I want to follow that up by saying, when you reach out to people and you don't get back the response that you were hoping for, do not allow yourself to go to a place, fight against that, that, that evil kind of way down thought process that will cause you to say, I don't matter. No one cares. Um, don't, don't go there. Fight against that thought process. It's simply not true. And I'm speaking specifically to people who um, call themselves Christians here. If you don't call yourself a Christian, and I'm sitting up, y'all can't see me. I needed to sit up so I could make sure I was in a, in a, a posture that I could address this clearly. If you call yourself a Christian is one thing. If you don't, this is where a real conversation about the gospel for me does happen. Um, Let's assume that the people listening right now, all the super saved holy folk have, have tuned us out. What, do you, what would you say to someone? Yeah, you're probably right. They probably have. Yeah. They, they the didn't like the fact that we episodes. Yeah, we were talking about cousin preachers we and everything. Definitely probably got a lot of super saved holy folk out of here. You're talking um, right now to people directly who have never had an experience with Christ. Yeah. But they are suffering silently. Yeah. What do you say? Um, I start by saying, find help. Um, I start by saying, find help in whatever form of doctor or therapist, or friend that you can. Hear me clearly. Alcohol is not help. Substance abuse is not help. That includes weed. Marijuana is not help. Find a human being that you can confide in. Find someone that cares about you. 
and share with them what you're going through. That's my first piece of advice. If possible, speak to a doctor about it. Even if it means you have to go to the emergency room and say to them, I'm thinking about hurting myself. Whatever it takes for you to reach out to another person, do that. I want to follow that by saying, if you have reached out and found someone or not found someone and you're still struggling with this, whether you are a Christian or not, there are a couple of things that are true. And I want to share them with you. The first thing is this. You have value and worth and meaning and purpose. And I want you to commit to reminding yourself of that every day. At least once a day, look up at the sky and remember that you are a consciousness with a conscience on a planet traveling in space with wonderfully mysterious things above and about you and that all of those things are not floating haphazardly but rather that they are guided by intelligence and I, that was a mouthful I know it let me summarize it by saying this <coughs> The world, the universe, every galaxy, and every molecule is being guided by God. The hardest thing that you may be going through is not outside of the reach of God. If I were a preacher, I would quote Isaiah, who said, are God's arms too short to save? Um, and it's a, it's a rhetorical question. Because his arms are not too short to save. God can save out of every scenario. That is for those of you that don't even consider yourselves Christians. Even if you've said out loud to yourself, looking in the mirror, I hate God. I had a brother look at me one time in the face and say, if God came down out the sky and told me he was God, I still wouldn't believe in God. That's, that's harsh. That's harsh. And even that brother has value to God. His life has meaning and purpose. You have a unique individual value to the creator of the universe. And that's worth saying. It's worth saying over and over and over. But it's definitely worth saying 
to you right now if you're listening. I would follow that up by saying, if you are a Christian, go back and listen to the last five minutes of what I said. Is that your cop out? (laughs) No. Go back and listen to the last five minutes of what I said because it's true for you too. Even the people that call themselves Christians need to be reminded that God sees value in you. You are not worthless because you don't sit in the pulpit. You are not of less value because you see people in the church, because this happens a lot. You see the pastor, and you see the people in the choir, and you see the people, quote unquote, in ministry. And you think that they have more value to God than you do. And nothing could be further from the truth. Your pastor has the same value to God that you do. If your pastor ever thinks to himself, I am special and above these people. It's the day he stops being a pastor. (laughs) Not only does he stop being a pastor... But someone should remind him that under a bridge somewhere, there's a guy that will preach him under the table. Absolutely. And God only needs to raise that brother up. Not even clean him up. Not even clean him up. And sit your pastor right down. Um, We all have value and worth in the eyes of God that does not pale the next person. The Bible gives us the instruction to uh, value the next person as greater than yourself. Exactly. And there is no reason for you to believe that you are any less. I saw um, a Facebook post. Uh, I got a homegirl that uh, hits me up occasionally and say, hey, Bro, you gotta you gotta see this. And so she asked me like, "Hey, did you know this girl that said she went to Northwest?" I'm like, "Nah, I don't know everybody went to Northwest." Uh, she sends me the link to her page. I go to it, and this is a young lady who, on the outside, looked as though she had everything going right. All of the photographs that she had were perfectly angled. Um, beautiful young girl. Beautiful. Um, was living her best life. She was, she had her dream job. And I'm looking through her page and all I see is these posts of, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Had I only known. And, and what messed me up, as I'm reading through these dozens and dozens of posts of people claiming that had they known that this young lady was suffering, that they would have done something. I get to her last post. Her last post said, and I'm quoting verbatim, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. I looked at the comments on this post the day before she took her life. 
and you know how Facebook timestamps everything. Mm-hmm. She had two comments when she posted it. Mm-hmm. She had 19 after the fact. Mm-hmm. All of them saying, I wish I had seen this. Why didn't you call me? And I think it's, it's I want to not be insensitive when I say this. But Facebook isn't the best way to communicate to people. Yeah. Yeah. Instagram and Snapchat are not the best ways to communicate with people. Absolutely. Um, Just because you tell me that you are dealing, because you make a post saying that you are dealing with something, does not mean that I'm going to see and I'm not saying that from a from a selfish perspective that I have to be the one that needs to see it. Yeah. But it just may be a day that nobody's looking. If you like I said, if you're struggling, call somebody. Yeah. I, I think that's the of the utmost importance. Uh call anybody. Again, I, I don't I, I shared my story uh about the fact that I have struggled with it in the past because I think it's important to hear that. That people have to be transparent about the things that they dealt with. I didn't go see a doctor about mine. My thought was wrapped up in an extremely emotional situation. Uh, a lot of people, I don't, in this particular forum, I've never spoken about it. A lot of people in my life have no idea. But I have a 15-year-old son um, that just came into my life two years ago. Mind you, he's 15 years old. The reason that he just came into my life fit two years ago is because 15 years ago, after he was born, um, there there was some... I don't think this is the right place to really get deep, deep into it. Let's just say he and me and his mother didn't uh, see the same. And 13 years had to go by before I was able to get truth. Suffice it to say, I was an emotional wreck when I was told the news that I was told. Uh, That's what triggered my particular situation. That's so bad that as a person who had been a Christian my entire life, began to question whether or not God was even real at that point. And I had a grandfather who had also just come into my life within the year, as a matter of fact, that I began confiding in. Here this, uh, you know, 60-plus-year-old man is is giving me life lessons and speaking life into me when I'm literally thoughts away from taking my own life. And what he did was enough for me. That doesn't mean that every situation is going to be the same. These cough drops ain't working for squat. I could have told you that. Um, But that was enough for me. Your situation, because I made it through something like that, I'm glad it's my testimony. If you ever want to hear the full testimony... I'm, I'm all for sharing it with you. The names will be changed to protect the innocent and the guilty. But 
just because I was able to go through a situation like that and not have to be medicated, not have to see a professional, doesn't mean that you can do the same thing. Just because you reach out and say nobody cares and somebody says that they care <coughs> doesn't mean that they are then going to be the one to talk you off the ledge. They just may end up confirming some things that will help push you. Because sadly, we don't surround ourselves with people who really care that much about our physical and mental and emotional well-being. I've been a terrible friend in the past. I've told people dealing with emotional situations to just get over it. And that's a very toxic thing to say. That's a very terrible, you know, blase way of going about telling someone about you. You can't just get over something. And I had to stop uh, over. I had to stop over, you know, over or under diagnosing people by telling them that the heartbreak that they felt was just temporary. Um, as a person who has dealt with heartbreak, uh, that stuff doesn't just go away. It doesn't matter whether it doesn't matter the age, because we, as you heard me read earlier, the fact of the matter is young black men are the ones at a higher risk of suicide. So these young black men, uh, the, the young brother, I know he didn't take his own life, but uh, we talked about XXX Tentacion, our first episode. Yeah. Here's a young brother who dealt with all kind of emotional situations <coughs> and talked about these things so openly and his therapy then became his music. Now, let's be, let's be frank here, not speaking ill of the dead, but just in the fashion in which he spoke about on his mute in his music, could you really see him making it to thirty? Uh, no. In fact, uh, XXX Tentacion. Every time I say that brother's name, I'm like, man, that's a mouthful. It is a mouthful. Um, he's one of the brothers that I saw and I heard and I and I thought about, and I said, this is a guy. When I listen to him talk, this is a guy that needs people around him yeah. that care, yeah, um, that will intervene. Because he didn't strike me as the kind of guy that that um, was was putting on a a show for people. Yeah, just being emo for the sake of being no. Emo. Yeah, he struck me as the kind of guy that in a down moment. He would potentially take his own life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we'll never know how his life would have turned out now. Um, but definitely, he was one of the public figures that I thought to myself, man, I hope there are people around him that really care about him. Um, that will, will look out for his best interest. Um, there are several prominent public figures in the music industry today that, aside from the Mac Millers of the world, uh, I believe are at risk, high, high level risk. Uh, the, the young kid, um, uh, goes by Bunk. Yeah, he's another one, man. He's another one. And this isn't a guy that I feel like, oh, he's suicidal. This is a guy that I feel like 
oh, he could OD. That could happen to him. And that could happen to anybody. But when you got someone publicly displaying those, those types of behaviors, you have to, if you care about that person, if you care about them, you have to say something. This is a guy who is going to interviews and passing out at the interview. And somebody, 17, 18, 19, maybe 23, is listening to me say that and saying, <coughs> man, that's, man, he was just, he was just high. But what you don't understand is just high is how Mac Miller happens. Yeah. Pimp C. Is how Pimp C happens. Just high is how Demi Lovato happens. Yeah. And just high. Dana Plato. Every day, just high turns into someone dying. I'm looking at a list right now from 2016 of 41 famous people who ended their own lives. Hmm. And the names that are on this list. I mean, this is this is a short... I, thinking about the fact that it's 41 people, it's still a short list given what we really... Robin Williams, of course, one of the biggest names on here. Robin Williams took his life uh, in 2014. I'll never forget where I was. I was in an airport on my way to Bozeman, Montana, and the news came across. Marilyn Monroe was 36 years old. Uh, hmm. And did it with an, uh, a drug overdose. Uh, anybody who grew up in the 90s, Kurt Cobain, hmm. um, with gunshot wound. Um, Jonathan Brandis, for, all of, for us 80s babies, um, young man who hung himself. Uh, if you don't know who Jonathan Brandis was, watch the Never Ending Story too. Um, a 19-year-old young man by the name of Sawyer Sweeten. I didn't know him. I, I couldn't picture his face, but he was on a show called Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, I remember uh, uh, some of us <laughs> may remember the Nickelodeon star. Um, you mean the Disney kid? The Disney kid. Uh, the, the brother. I, I know who you're talking about. Like Action Jackson or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, but he 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 took his own life. Junior um, Seau for f- sports fans. Uh, Ernest Hemingway, uh, you know, suffered from depression and, and killed himself. Um, Simone Battle? Wow. She was part of a... Uh, she was on X Factor. Uh... People don't know that Van Gogh took his own life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Here he is. uh, Lee Thompson Young. Yep. Yep. Um, And if I can jump in right there and just just say this. If someone you know is exhibiting signs of uh, potentially harming themselves, don't take it lightly. If someone you know is exhibiting signs of uh, heavy substance abuse, don't take it lightly. If you care about these people that you're around and you see them exhibiting signs that, that, that they could be putting their own lives in danger or maybe considering taking their own lives. If somebody's talking about being a burden to others, uh, they feel trapped in situations, um, hopeless and helpless kind of conversations, uh, talking about life being unbearably painful, 
expressing no reason to live, um, and, and just general poor problem-solving kind of conversations, look out for them. Talk to them. Be there for them. Uh, if you see an increase in the use of alcohol or drugs, um, if you see them acting recklessly, withdrawing from regular day-to-day activities, isolating themselves from family and friends, sleeping too much, sleeping too little, like things that are extreme, though, um, visiting or calling and saying goodbye, giving away uh, prized possessions. Um, if you see that, don't walk away. That person could really be at risk. If they feel trapped and helpless and they're withdrawing, stay around that person. Let them know that you're there for that person. And if it seems really dire, call 911. A lot of us you don't love somebody less if you call the high, if you call 911. People because that's the first thing they'll say, you don't love me. I've dealt with suicidal people in my life. Um that, that want to take their that, that are too afraid to take their own life but want to die and when you mention things like calling a hospital calling 911 uh, they immediately jump to you don't love me you don't care about me um, that's exactly why you do something like that do not let someone tell you that you looking out for their safety and their well being don't let them use that against you you know that's we're not professionals here. Let's, I don't think if you guys know that or not. We're not degreed or doctored in any of this. However, that doesn't, dis, that doesn't disqualify us from speaking to the things that we do know about. Don't let someone tell you that you are doing, you're going to put them in a worse position by calling the hospital or calling 911 to make sure that they're going to be okay. Um, that's that's important um if they're if they're if they've reached out to you take all the information that, they, that they'll give you and call somebody send them send them anonymously if you have to if they're talking to you on the phone get another phone call 911 while they're on the phone let them hear what they're saying so that way there's there's evidence of the fact and they have to hold them and they have to get them treatment they can't just check themselves out you know, there, there are protocols and policies in place for things like that. And you need to know that. So if you're someone dealing with a loved one that does have these thoughts, make sure that you're absolutely getting them all the attention that they can, that you can find for them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot more to actually add to that part of the conversation. I think that it's important, though, that we have these conversations. And so if you are a member of a church, I think that you should talk to your church about having these conversations. Can I, can I yeah. mess with you a little bit? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, pause, by the way. I didn't mean it that way. However, one thing that I've heard my entire life in church is that suicide is an unforgivable sin. Well, that's not true. And some Christian out there, 
some Christian out there is going to say that to someone not knowing what that trigger is going to do to them. Mm. Stop telling people that. Show me show me verse and chapter. Yeah. That's what we need to do. We need that's gonna be our shirt. Verse and chapter. Yeah, definitely. Or chapter and verse, yeah. That shirt is coming. Chapter and verse. Show me chapter and verse before you know when you're throwing something out there like that. There are absolutely scriptures that will speak to what sin is and what murder is and things like that. But don't tell somebody and don't don't guilt somebody into, you know, doing something that they honestly probably weren't going to do or goad them into it rather by simply telling them that if you do that, God won't forgive you. Yeah. People are already upset at God. So saying that God is going to be more upset with me if I do this is just more ammunition for me to just get on up out of here. Yeah. Start hugging people and loving them. Yeah. And if someone asks you whether or not it's a sin, that's a that's a sign. Talk to them about what they're feeling. Yeah. If they ask you, is suicide a sin? Will God forgive me if I commit suicide? Talk to them about it immediately. If you don't feel comfortable or capable of doing that, find somebody that will immediately. Because they're try they're crying out at that point. And they're, as they're crying out, you, they've, they've done this to you now. And their life is in your hand. The way that they go is absolutely going to be upon you and how you deal with it and, walk, and talking them out of it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, the idea that suicide is an unforgivable sin is actually anti-gospel. And so there is no biblical way um, to show that suicide is an unforgivable sin in and of its, itself. Um, if a person has been trusting in Christ as their Savior, their Lord, their treasure, uh, does the last act of their life prove the decisive one in showing their true standing as a child of God? That's the question I would ask. Does the last act of a person's life, uh, in this case, what suicide is, is murder. It's self-murder. Yeah. Um, does that count as the decisive thing that God is going to judge them on? Um, or does the rest of their life count? I just heard of, I saw Francis Chan talking about something um, where he was using rope as the means of which to determine, to talk about eternity. And he painted uh, maybe this seven inch strip of rope red and said, this is your life, essentially. But the rest of this 100-foot rope is eternity. And people spend more time trying to get everything right in that red strip as opposed to worrying about the consequences and the beauty of eternity. 
in the case that we're talking about as far as depression, suicide, um, mental health disorders, things like that, um, that that immediately jumps to mind. And it's something that I think is relevant. It relates to it in the sense that taking your life robs you of the rest of that red because there's there's so much purpose there's so much promise there's so much potential but i don't want to be one that would forego the remainder of eternity I, I truly believe that god is one that loves us in spite of us so don't take me saying you know suicide is not an unforgivable sin don't take that to mean that you can take yourself out of here. And this, and what I'm saying is authoritative yeah. in the sense that you still have access to the kingdom. I'm not saying that. Yeah. I'm saying that I don't know enough to tell you that you can you can still walk in and say, well, God, look at how I live the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, and let me go further into my into my thought process on that. And, and I'll use an analogy. Um, suppose that I get angry at my wife. I storm out the house. I slam the door. I jump in the car. Uh, I head for the road. And I'm so out of control. So angry. So sinful. <laughs> I just want to throw that part on there. Yeah, sinful. Um, so sinfully angry. Okay. There's that I... <laughs> that I... Totally misjudge a narrow turn on some dark road. Um, I smash into a telephone pole going 60 miles an hour. No and seat I'm, belt. I'm No seatbelt. And I'm dead. My last act was in sin. Correct. I didn't intend to kill myself. Correct. But I did. And it was sin that made it happen. So the last thing I did was sin. Got you. Is the last sin decisive in determining whether or not I was born again of the Spirit of God? See, there's a preacher somewhere uh, that preaches hellfire and brimstone that is saying that the wages of sin is death. Amen. I'm going to amen that. But, but the have- gift of God is eternal, eternal life. life. But they don't focus on the gift part. Mm-hmm. Scaring you into living right mm-hmm. is the thing. <coughs> so my answer then is this. Not necessarily. God is going to look at my life. He is. He's going to look at my whole life. Um, and the evidence of whether or not I belong to God will be assessed not because of one failure alone, any more than any other failure alone, um, but rather God is going to use my entire life, and I'm going to say it this way on purpose. I'm listening. He's going to use my entire life in assessing me on Judgment Day. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him 
shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That verse yeah. that Christians lean on so much, yeah. we forget all the time. Always. He loved the world so much that he gave his only son so that whoever, whoever, doesn't exclude anybody, and then it says, believes on him. But you see, you're having this, you're leaning very heavily towards uh, what Carlton Pearson got excommunicated for. Sure. And that's universalism. No, I'm going to show you why I'm not. Okay. Because the next part of that sentence is, believes on him. Yeah. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I became a Christian because of that verse. Okay. I became a Christian because I realized that that verse was saying, apart from everything you do in your life, your salvation is hinged on whether or not you put your faith in Christ. The door opens and closes on whether or not you put your faith in Christ. Apart from the deeds of your life. Well, John, you just got done saying that God is going to assess all the work of your life in the end. And he is. Because faith without works is dead. Yeah. So if I put my faith in Christ, then the actions of my life will reflect that faith. True. But one act in a blind moment in a dark season does not define whether or not I had faith in Christ in my life. And that's the part that makes me say you cannot say that suicide leads people to hell. And another, just another random thought, I'm not trying to go super theological here, but I just want to throw this other random thought on this. I'm listening, Intergalactic Bishop. <laughs> um, that kind of thinking is very telling. Because if you believe that suicide is an unforgivable sin, you must then also believe that salvation is a product of your own work. That your salvation is a product of how you chose to live your life. What your deeds were. You must think that God is going to take your actions and say these were good and these were bad and put them on a scale and say, based on the way you lived your life, I've decided to let you in or not let you in on the measure of 36 good deeds and 34 bad deeds. If that's the case, then Christ died for nothing. Absolutely. You're still making a case for universalism, by the way. I'm not. Because universalism just says that everybody's going to be saved. What I'm saying is that nobody can be saved apart from the work of Christ. And that it's the faith in Christ that's the saving part. Not the, I did a good deed today. That's the saving part. Yeah. Go ahead. Tell me why I'm making a case for universalism. <sighs> See, universalism is a slippery slope. This wasn't even on the topic doc docket for the day, 
by the way. But I'm prepared. It's not. I mean, it's, it's we don't really have to go down this path. I'm simply <laughs> no, stating. Go for it. Go for it. I'm simply stating that universalism is seen in a much broader concept. Sure. The, the work of Christ is still there. Yeah. Christ died for all. Just yeah. like you said. For all. Yeah. Oh, I got you. I got you. Exactly. I know exactly, I know exactly what angle you're going at. Yeah. So, if he died for all, yeah. then where do we get to this point of, you have to do this? I, I have to be careful how I answer this because I don't want to open up a, a can of worms here. Um, well, I don't plan on going down much further than where good, we are. I just wanted good. to make sure that we clarify. Um, so Neither of us are universalists unless John is secretly one. And I'm just now finding out. Well, the problem is I'm actually so much of not a universalist that I'm, I'm being careful how I answer this so that I save this topic for another day. But Jesus did not die for everybody. As as far as I'm going to take that sentence. And then I'm going to say this. In as much as Christ died for all, the all that he died for are only qualified if they then believe that he died. For them. Respond accordingly. You have to accept the gift, Mister that, Reformer. That would be the general response. Yes, that you have to accept the gift, and I'm going to leave it at that rather than going down a much deeper, deeper rabbit hole. Yeah, I'm not doing that today. I don't have. <laughs> I don't have the time or patience. Look, um, great conversation, man. Yeah. Um, and a needed one. And I wish it was more than just us here, but that's not too much of a concern. Here's what I want everybody to do. Um, I'm not big on promotion uh, on this show. Um, but I think that because of uh, the nature of the context, mm -hmm. uh, there's absolutely mm -hmm. things that we should share in context. If you struggle with suicidal thoughts, if you struggle with suicidal thoughts, um, there is a National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Take this number down. 1-800-273-8255. Say it again. 1-800-273-8255. Everybody under the sound of my voice should have that number locked in their phone. Whether you whether you deal with it personally or not, absolutely have that number handy so that you can give it to someone in need. Yeah, and we'll put we'll put that number in the description of the show. We absolutely will. For those who don't want to talk. For those that do not want to talk, um, you don't feel comfortable talking to a stranger like that, at least you know, with your voice, there is a text line. The crisis text line, you can text this number from anywhere in the U.S. and you can speak to somebody. The number you text is 741-741. If you simply text that number, uh, there's someone who, not a robot, not somebody overseas, somebody here in the States uh, that will absolutely talk to you about whatever it is that you're dealing with. This doesn't need to be an hour and a half long show. 
Um, it doesn't need to be a two hour long show. Um, for my pastors, ministers who are dealing with stuff, we could I, I could go down the list because let's be real, I'm not I had to get that number out there before I, I forgot about it. But um, being the church in the wild, one of the big the one of the reasons why this hit me and said, man, we got to talk about this is because pastor people don't understand the pressure that are put on pastors. I, I don't think people really understand how much goes into what pastors do. Just because you see them on Sunday morning does not mean that they're not struggling all week long. And you need and people need to understand that. Here's um there's some stats. Uh, uh, what is that? I've looked these stats up a dozen times. <coughs> um, the uh, clergy mental health, uh, the Christian Reformed Church rather, put together a list. Um, for people who don't understand this about their pastor, think about this for a second. It takes a hell of a man to pastor you. Man or woman, let's, let's just put that out there. It takes a hell of a man or woman to accept the mantle or call to pastor you. Think about yourself for a second. Let's let's here, here's where I can inject a little bit of humor. Think about your crazy ass. Think about what you put on them hmm. yourself. Hmm. Now picture 50 of you. Doing the exact same thing at any given time throughout a calendar year. And people have the gall to talk about pastors taking trips, to talk about pastors having nice houses, to talk about pastors having nice cars. Think about what it takes to listen to you. Your spouse don't always want to listen to you. Yeah. Your kids definitely don't want to listen to you. Yeah. But your pastor will answer your call. And even if he doesn't answer your call directly, somebody's sending your message to him. Because you need pastor to pray because you've been in the hospital for the fifth time this week. Hmm. Because you going, th you going through with your baby daddy or your baby mama. And this is every single day. Hear me out. Here, here, here's what this sounds like. Pastors... Diagnosed with clinical depression is double the national average for any profession. For any profession, pastors are double the national average. 45% of pastors seek advice from their family doctor regarding stress and anxiety issues. Nearly a quarter of all pastors acknowledge personally struggling with mental illness and half of those have been diagnosed. Here's why. On average, because you just see him on Sunday morning, pastors are working 50 hours a week. That's the average. A quarter of all pastors work more than 55 hours a week. That's if they're, that's not counting if they're bivocational. Yeah. Think about the fact that he puts in 40 hours one place and then another 55 hours in ministry work. Yeah. It's 95 hours a week. And, and for those of you that can't relate, consider this much. Pastors 
have taken upon themselves the responsibility of caring for the hearts and minds and souls and emotions of large groups of people. For little to no thanks. Very little to no thanks. And I don't care what you say you pay him, it's not enough. And in that, there is a pressure to succeed. Because these people have trusted me to give them leadership and guidance that can impact the outcome of their eternal soul. If you thought that you had failed at a task like that, and you thought that it was a task given to you by the creator of the universe, I'm not saying you would for sure, but you might find yourself in a dark place. And that should be considered. Nearly 40% of all pastors take fewer than three days off per month. Per month. I get at least two days off a week from my job. Many ministers and pastors neglect regular exercise, personal devotions, and relaxation. Get this, to find more time for serving or to avoid feeling guilty for not serving enough. Yeah. 94% of pastors. I'm almost mad to read this. 94% of pastors said that although they read scripture to prepare sermons, it rarely nourishes this nourishes them personally. Mm-hmm. I believe that. I tell people to read the Bible all the time. Yeah. Find find some help in the word. Yeah. Man, this word is gonna be uplifting. I gotta I gotta stand before the congregation next week. I'm expecting to see a hundred men standing at standing in that congregation when I'm out the pulpit. And I'm going to have to speak life into all of these people that show up here. If it doesn't minister to me, it can't minister to them. But here we just, I just read it. 94% of pastors, ministers, preachers read the very same scripture we tell you to read. And it does nothing for them. Yep. How disheartening is that? When your job, quote unquote, air quotes, when your job is to empower, enlighten, and instruct. And it doesn't work for you. Man, it, it, it's it's so important. I want us to do this episode um, soon. We're going to talk about what pastoring should and shouldn't be. I'm an apologist. I consider myself an apologist. Um, I, I like to defend my faith. I, I, it's probably because I like arguing with people. More than anything, though, I used to be a person that sat on the outside and criticized pastors. Yeah. Look at that pastor with that shiny new car driving into this hood. And it looks like he's raping the neighborhood. Yeah. People have that mind that mindset when it comes to pastors. Yeah, they do. Of course they do. Look at him driving this nice, fancy car, going to this big, fancy house, not realizing that this man is driving this fancy car and and going to this big, fancy house and is empty on the inside because he's given everything he has. 
He's given everything he has to this congregation, and this and, and the only thing they could give him was a paycheck. And and I think people miss that for a second. Don't say, "Oh, we pastor shouldn't make this much money." Pastor shouldn't. Make, we can have that argument for another time, and I guarantee you, I will win that argument. But. Don't tell me. It's a hefty guarantee you make. Hey, I'm not worried about it. You want to? You want these hands, bro? I told you they rated E for everyone. Now, see, I wasn't. I wasn't <laughs> actually against you. Okay. But when you say things like "I guarantee," it, it entices me to argue. Again, E for everyone, sir. That's how these hands is rated. So that's a hefty guarantee you're making. Anyway, man. think about that though. Think about the gravity of that statement. That this man has spent hours upon hours out of his week preparing a, a word for you on a Sunday morning. Mm-hmm. Not to mention the hours upon hours he has spent counseling, uh, that he has been mentoring other ministers, the the things that he has to do in the community, so yeah. on and so forth. And he and the only thing the church can give him is a paycheck. Yeah. And miss me with the well God is gonna take care of him on the other side. If that's the case, then you shouldn't be worried about how much your job pays you. Like I'm way out of the like church convo loop so I don't know how people think about these things these days <coughs> the same as they always have oh. everybody wants to rag on a pastor because he makes because he gets a check from the church to stand up there and talk like I love y'all church people I really do y'all my brothers and sisters but I don't really have a lot of conversations with like churchy people can't do it man you'll go crazy so that's why pastoring be, is hard I don't know like what those conversations are really like nowadays like I have imagination, but I ain't gonna lie to y'all. Like, a lot of churchy people, y'all make it hard to have conversations with y'all because y'all either are way too self-righteous. I love y'all. I I promise y'all I love y'all. Or y'all way too deep and self-righteous. And I can't, I don't be having time for that. Or y'all so heavenly... Minded that y'all ain't no earthly good. Ooh, do a little churchy wisdom out there. You know, church and ease. You know, I speak a little, little church and ease. Y'all be no earthly good, and I definitely can't hold no conversation with you if you that way. So, I don't be knowing what what goes on in the uh, in the back in the back pew conversations about the pastor these days. But back pew, parking lot, <laughs> front pew, middle pew. Pastor's face sometimes. People become so emboldened to say things about pastors to pastors that it is. And, and here's the thing. Social media has given us the very right to do this. Man. Um, but, again, that's another topic for another time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Here's what I'm saying. Um, just because he gets a check does not mean that he's being paid enough for what he does. I make it a point. My pastor is my cousin. I, I don't make any bones about that. He's my he's my baby cousin. He's my younger cousin, rather. And which I always forget. I always think that country is older than you. Yeah, and you just gonna name drop him like that, huh? Yeah. Uh... <laughs> but um, my pastor is my pastor is my younger cousin. Um, anytime he mounts the pulpit, whether I'm there or not, um, I'm aware of the time that he's getting up. And I cover him in prayer leading up to it. And when he steps out of the pulpit, I cover him in prayer, asking God to restore energy back to him. Uh, whatever he poured out, whatever virtue he spilled out 
in ministering to these mm, people. Good church in these right there. Yeah, yeah. Virtue. Whatever virtue the he virtue has expelled. From him. Whatever virtue he's expelled, I pray that God restore it. Am I putting am I putting him in the same space as Christ? Of course not. But just like when I go to the gym, the people touched the hem of his garment. <laughs> when I go to the gym, um, I have a personal trainer who encourages me as I'm pushing through something that may be difficult. When I'm done with it, they don't just walk away from me. That's right. That's right. He he comes over. He pats me on the back. He helps me up, and he encourages me to get to the next set, Come to on. get to the next rep. And that's and that's what I'm doing. I, I've put I poured virtue out. Give me some back. And I, I and people need to do that more for their pastor. You worried about whether or not pastor gets a pastor's anniversary and what what they're gonna give him as far as a love offering in those particular times. Here it is. If you appreciated your pastor throughout the year, there would be no need for it. If you appreciate bang. bang. If Dr. I have my, Marco. if I have my my, uh, I, let me see if I got my uh, Joe Budden gunshots in here. Yo, I need to <laughs> get the gunshots. But aside from that, aside from that, rather, I mean that though. If you if you appreciated and honored your pastor in a fashion befitting the the mantle of his call, does that mean putting him on a pedestal? Hell no. He's going to fall if you put him on a pedestal. But because of what he, because of the mantle on his life, because of what he's accepted, because of who he has to deal with, not just your crazy ass, you don't know what his family's like. And he has to deal with them on a more personal level. Mm. But all you care about is the fact that, oh, let me get to this, get to this, get to this, get to this, and me, 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 my, 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 my. If you appreciated him collectively throughout the year, you see less pastors' anniversaries, you see happier pastors, and the numbers that I just talked about, you would absolutely see them go down. You would absolutely see them go down. But we don't do that. We're selfish. Mm. And so we think he's here for us. He's our he's our, uh, he's our, our uh, jukebox monkey. Mm. Wind him up, hoop for us, dance for us, sing for us. Holler for us. Make us feel good. He's our prostitute Sunday morning. Now, with that said, <coughs> um, you ain't going to keep talking about the church like that, bro. I absolutely will. All right. We ain't going to have all that. We're going to calm down. Put some respect on their name. Prove me wrong. I'll got to prove you wrong because you're not wrong. But, this isn't true for everybody listening. Some people appreciate what, what's going on there. I have a bit of a tough position on it. Um, mainly because of my perspective on the church and pastoring. Uh, however, I am empathetic to everything you're saying. And uh, sympathetic to everything you're saying. And... I think that, again, we have to continue to have these conversations. Once in a while, it's okay on a Wednesday night. Yeah. Instead of having your pastor get up and preach another sermon, basically. 
or to have the youth pastor get up and preach a sermon. Or some person Shout being out to youth pastors, by the way, too. Ministry. Because people, people neglect youth pastors. Pastor got to deal with your crazy ass. Youth pastor got to deal with your crazy ass kids. Continue. Uh, so, um, once and in a while. And get paid a whole hell of a lot less than what. Never mind. You're done. You're done. Okay. No, I ain't done. All Look, right. y'all don't appreciate what the right. y'all treat them like babysitters, and y'all y'all just, oh pat him on the head, oh you precious thing, and then he got to stand in for pastor when pastor's not feeling well or if pastor's out of town. But <clears throat> you feeling some sort of way about being a youth pastor? What's going on? Bro? I'm sorry, I I had to get that out. All right, you done now? Okay. Uh, once in a while on Wednesday, it's okay to set that night aside and talk amongst yourselves on predecided topics. Things like suicide prevention in the church. Once in a while, it's okay to discuss relevant topics to the specific body of Christ that you're in because not every body of Christ not every and when I say this I'm saying not every church group not every uh, assembly I know some of you super saved people are trying to pick me apart right now whatever not every assembly uh, not every ecclesia Oh, I got some Greek Look at in you me. Throw some Greek in I there. got some Greek in me. Um, they don't all have the same problems. They don't all have the same issues. See, in some churches, there's backbiting and gossip. Yeah. In other churches, there's adultery and fornication. Yeah, yeah. And in other churches still, there's lying and thievery. Preach that. And what I'm saying is, Within the body of Christ that you're in, it's important that you all speak to one another and that the elders among you talk with you. So I wanted to put that out there because I go to churches, man, on Wednesday night. Nowadays, it'd be all kind of different nights they do Bible study on. And it'd just be another Sunday morning service just at 7 o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And I think that there's a missed opportunity to build a relationship within the body on Wednesday night when, you know who come out on Wednesday? Your faithful members. Your faithful members show up on Wednesday. Oh, yes, sir. Those are the ones you should, and not that anybody else deserves anything less, but man, what an opportunity to, to grow and build relationships. To go deep instead of wide yeah. on Wednesday night. So, that's just a thought. I'm done. That's where we're going to wrap. I think that's a good place to wrap. Because we can talk all night, man. You know no. how it goes. Um, you got a benediction for the people? Yeah. Again, if you know people, see people, are around people, that you're concerned about where they are, 
in their mental health. I know it's cliche, but if you see something, say something. You cannot rightly love people with the love of Christ and ignore what's going on in their mind. Especially when what's going on in their mind could cause them to harm themselves or others. That's all I got. Um, here, here's, here's my benediction. As a person who has struggled uh, with it personally, as a person who has dealt with family, that has dealt with it as a person who ministers to people with varying forms of uh, mental disorders, um, I would be remiss if I didn't simply say something that everybody needs to hear. And that's I love you. And I don't mean that from a facetious standpoint. I don't mean that from a I have to say this because of my position standpoint. Um, everybody needs to genuinely hear to be told that somebody loves them. And I love you. If you stuck with us, if you rolled with us, this could be the first time you heard this episode. This is the best time. God rightly ordained this moment, divinely purposed you to click on that link to visit this this episode and, and to be able to be ministered to in the fashion that we are attempting to. I love you. Um, I absolutely mean it when I say if you need anything, if you need a hand, uh, if you need a shoulder, um, whatever the case may be, I'm on social media, IG, Snap, Facebook, Twitter. Um, I'm not a hard man to find, um, and I got a pretty decent listening ear. Um, if I don't have the answers for you, I'm not one that's going to make them up for you. I'm going to point you in the direction of someone who can absolutely get you taken care of. But ultimately, I want you to understand that even if you never hear me tell you that I love you again, somebody does. And you mean something to someone. And that somebody's me. I may never meet you. But God, I don't want to see a world where you don't, where you don't reach your potential and purpose because you decided to make a decision that you couldn't take back. I don't want to see a world devoid of Steve Jobs because he was depressed that he couldn't get a job. I don't want to see a world devoid of a Kanye West or uh, a Beyonce or a Van Gogh or, or you name a Denzel Washington, whoever, whatever your dream and your desire, whatever God is calling from your heart, the next novelist, the next poet, the next songwriter, the next producer, the next president. God is not through with you. It looks dark now, but I promise you there's light on the other side. We love you. Give me we appreciate you. And thank you for kicking it with us one more time. We'll see you next time. Church in the Wild. This is Rob. Give me this is John. We'll holler at y'all. I hope I'm not too late. Lord, give me you. Lord, give me you. Lord, give me you. Lord.